Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program is the nation's only advanced training program of its kind for veteran cheesemakers. It was established through a joint partnership between the Wisconsin Center for Dairy Research, University of Wisconsin Extension, and the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, one of our favorite and longest standing sponsors, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. On today's show, we're talking to one of the class of 2016's Wisconsin's Master Cheesemakers, and someone who I think is either the youngest or one of the youngest masters, Jonathan Metzig. Thanks for coming on the show, John. Thank you for having me. Are you the youngest? Um, I don't know if I'm the youngest for sure. If not, uh, I am one of the youngest. Um, and the main reason is I got my cheesemaker license when I was 18, when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. And, and in order to become a master cheesemaker, you have to be a licensed cheesemaker for 10 years. Wow. That's a lot. Well, first, I have to apologize to you and our listeners if the sound quality is a little off today. I'm also dialed in from outside Boston. I'm not in our cozy studio in Bushwick. So, John, I'd love to talk for the first half of the show about the Master Cheesemaker Program. What does it mean to be a certified Master Cheesemaker? Um, What it means to be a certified Master Cheesemaker is a couple things. One is, I think what I'm most proud of, Uh is it's the highest, um, certificate you can get in the cheesemaking in Wisconsin. Yeah. So it's very, they're selective on who's allowed in. Like I said, you have to be a licensed cheesemaker for 10 years. And then you have to pick a specific type of cheese that you're getting your license in. Yeah. And you have to make that for five years before you get accepted to the program. That's a lot. That's a lot of work, man. Pretty awesome. You've got to be pretty dedicated to do that. Um, as of right now, I believe there are 59 active Wisconsin master cheesemakers working in 32 companies statewide uh, with the masters holding certifications in 35 cheese varieties. 35 cheese varieties seems like a lot. Like, So what categories can you specialize in? I have mine in Cheddar and Colby. and. Uh-huh. That's where I have most of my experience. Um, other cheeses, you can get in Monterey Jack, mozzarella, um, other cheeses like that. Why did you? Why are you? Um, why did you pick those categories? The main reason is um, I have the most experience in those. Yeah. Um, the cheese factory I grew up in were typical Wisconsin Crossroad cheese factory, and we make a lot of cheddar and a lot of Colby, and also. Um, <clears throat> I wanted something I had experienced in for the grading aspect. So when you're going through the program, you have to get your cheese graded a number of uh-huh. times. 
So Interesting. Would you ever want to specialize in more categories in the future? Yes, I am looking at um, going back in the next couple of years, possibly. I'm not quite sure exactly what category I'll go for at this moment, but yes, I'd like to pursue it more. Nice. How many different categories can you uh, specialize in at once? Two. That's the max? Yes. Huh. That's interesting. Um, what do you have to do? Like, I know that I asked you this a little bit before. What do you have to actually do to become a master cheesemaker? So first, you need the number of your requirements. And yeah, then you're 15 years in, right? Ten years. You need five of those ten years has to be in the specific cheese that you're going for. Right. So then you, once your ten years are up, you apply for the program. Yeah. And then they come in, two people come to your plant, they do a plant inspection, and then it was about 45 minutes of question and answer. Yeah. Where they just started asking all sorts of random questions dealing with cheese making from the basics, where we get our law, or where our laws are found, what regulation states what. Yeah. To all the way to, like, if you see a color on your equipment, what does that indicate? Or, you know, like if that's a protein buildup, et cetera. Yeah. And then you go back to the master cheesemaker. They take that back to the master cheesemaker board, and they vote you into the program. And then that's a three-year program, and you have to take um, five elected elected classes and then three additional classes put on by the Center for Dairy Research in Madison. Yeah. And during that time... We have three different gradings of our cheese that you're going for. So they came three times to Cheese Factory and graded the cheddar and Colby. And then it finishes with a written test. And it was, I typed my test, and when I was finished, I had 20 pages, single-spaced, and it took me over 30 hours to complete. Took you 30 hours to complete the written exam? Yes. Wow. Okay, this is a dumb question. I'm going to ask it anyway. So obviously they let you – you spend 30 hours in one room, or are you allowed to take that home with you? I'm allowed to take it home. Um, so I was – I did it over a course of a couple weeks. but um, Okay. Every That's answer crazy. you have to have a source for. Yeah. And it needs to be obviously a legit source, so – I mean, that, there's a lot of research going into some of these questions, trying to find where they're from. Well, yeah, like give me give me an example of a question. Um, one of the first questions was, where do where do you find the laws that govern cheese factories in Wisconsin? And then another question was, if you saw a shiny blue buildup on your vat, what is that an indication of? Wow. And so they go. They can go very into microbiology, and then yeah. some general, work. or also all kinds of mythology, and uh, you know, just knowing your history. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. So a lot man. about um, milk quality, etc. Yeah. Like that so questions about like how to how to grade milk for cheese making. Yep. What are the requirements? Um, what affects? How does the milk affect cheese quality? You know, like somatic cell count, plate count. Wow, man. So really, you're talking about 
about 13 years in the program, right? Yeah, from when I received my first cheesemaker license until I received my master cheesemaker license was 13 years altogether. And then they, so after that, so they take that test, they ruminate over the test, they bring it back, and then they say yay or nay to whether or not yeah. you can be a master cheesemaker? Yep. So I got the and call one day at work, and they said I passed the test, and that's I can awesome. be a master cheesemaker. Were you pretty, were you really stoked? <laughs> I mean, you must have been, that's a lot of time, man. That's a, such a, such, such a crazy vetting process. I like it, you know? I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great feeling when I got that final that phone call because by the time I submitted the test, you know, it was four to six weeks before I got the call. Yeah, that's a lot of time to think about your answers. Uh, so, like, what are the professional benefits to being certified? Um, there's a couple of benefits. One of the main ones is from a marketing standpoint. So yeah. now I can legally put on the Master Cheesemaker seal on our cheddar and Colby. And that, and that, that brings you into a different market for your cheese? <clears throat> yeah, it's an added value. You know, it's a standard that saying, like, our cheddar is a little bit better because it's made by a Master Cheesemaker. Yeah. That's, is that the main benefit? That's one of the main benefits, yeah. And, you know, the whole program was established to not only advance the education of cheese making in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, but also to raise the standard of the quality of cheese in Wisconsin. Right, because even if you don't pass, you've still gone through all this rigorous testing. What, what portion of people fail that, just out of curiosity? I mean, do it you know, honestly, I don't know what the success rate is. I know they're selective on who they allow into the program. Right. Because that's, so that's really it. You get your 10 years, five years specialty, and then a master cheesemaker comes and checks you out and decides whether or not you're worth the next three years of, of uh, personal attention, right? Is Correct. Kind of like how that works. And then after those three years, then they grill the hell out of you. And if you pass that massive test, then, you, then you're in, right? And yep. And that's is there a lot of uh, is there a lot of family is like families that get that enter and that pass on down the master cheesemaker throughout their uh, their heritage. Um, that is just starting. So the master cheesemaker began. The first class was in '97. Ah. Uh, and so I'm the second father son master cheesemaker in the state of Wisconsin. Oh, that's awesome. You're so that there's only one other. Yeah, I mean that was just. It's. A great lineage, you know, great for the fact yeah. that the That's really awesome. Off. What what makes that your program unique? And do you know of any others like it in the US or even around the world? No, I don't know any other in the US. Um you know, Wisconsin's the only state in the US that requires a licensed cheese maker. Right. No other state do you need to be licensed to make cheese in. Um this the master cheesemaker was based off of some of the European models, yeah. Where they do the <clears throat> the apprenticeship programs, or where it's more that the quality assurance programs are trying to establish. Right. Well, the, where they have their DOP or their AOC, and they're trying to make sure that the cheeses stay the same no matter who's making them. I imagine that is what. Right. Or that's the that's the <clears throat> that's 
the idea or that's what I thought of, you know? That's pretty cool. So um what so it's unique in many ways, but like just as a general what what else would you say makes Wisconsin cheese unique and how is it's affected by this program? Well, I just think number one, like we said, it just raises the bar for everything. Yeah. I mean and it's Wisconsin can be very competitive for cheese. I mean if you're just going to sell to a local grocery store, it still has to be good quality cheese for them to take you in. It's not like some other parts of the country where the selection of cheese is not as high as in Wisconsin. <clears throat> right. So you're saying that there's there's a there's a lot of milk out there, a lot of cheese makers out there, so everybody's got to kind of step up their game. Right. And then Did you ever think of working with any other different animals rather than cows? I just interviewed uh, um, the lady from the Driftless yesterday um, about her sheep. Um, so I was just wondering if you, have, if you ever had any interest in any other animals. You know, we talked about that at our factory. Um, for our local market, you know, we're pretty regional who we sell yeah. to, mostly within a 45-mile radius. Yeah. And the demand for us personally is not there. Right. Um, obviously, goat milk is growing huge. Sheep milk is taken off. Uh, just at this moment, no, we are not looking at any other milk types. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving me that insight into the Master Cheesemaker program. Um, and we're going to take a short break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk to you about Union Star Cheeses and the cheese you make for Red Barn Family Farms. So hang out with us for a second. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com, and as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Um, so welcome back to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. Before the break, we were talking to certified master cheesemaker John Metzig about the Wisconsin Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program. Uh, for the second part of the episode, I wanted to talk more about you and your cheeses. Um, and you started in, in, right before the break. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of your family's company, Union Star? Yes. So Union Star started as a co-op in 1904. Um, that, it started because... 
that was when farmers first got paid premiums for butterfat. Ah. And my relatives were in the area, and they had Holstein cows, which naturally produced less butterfat than Jersey's. Right. They make more so milk. They're up, right. yeah, so they're upset that they got less for the milk, so they started a co-op in 1904. And then in 1911, the co-op sold out to my great-grandfather's brother, Henry Metzig. And then his daughter and son-in-law ran it, and then my parents bought it in 1980. And like I said, we were your typical just crossroad cheese factory. Um, we survived a lot because we did our own retail sales. Oh, sure. So in the early 1980s, a bunch of small cheese factories were closing up, uh-huh. and that was because they mostly made block cheddar and sold yeah. it to a processor. Yep. And obviously, whenever you have one customer, the prices start dropping. You know, they can't survive. And we always no, have our retail tough. sales. So it's good when you take what, care of your own end product. Like, that's, you know, Yeah, and that's what helped us survive. Uh, that's great. So, you know, and, you touched it before. We, we often hear there aren't a lot of multi-generational cheesemakers still around <laughs> in Wisconsin. Uh, do you think that that's true? Um, I think it's true to a point because as the number of cheese factories have um, decreased, so has the number of cheese makers. Right. And so, but there are still some families that are fourth generation plus of cheese making. And I think one reason is it's kind of a unique job in the terms of when you're a teenager, you don't think about becoming a cheese maker. But you want to be like something not farm related, I imagine. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, so so they're they're selling out to larger concerns, is what you're saying, right? That's why a lot of the family businesses have gone away. Um, but is there a rebound? Are people picking it back up again? Yeah, it's definitely rebounding. Um, and one reason is. The people are valuing quality over quantity now. That's great. Um, <clears throat> you know, as food has gotten bigger, you know, commodity, cheddar, bread, yep. etc. people thought it was great, and then they realized there's no flavor in this product anymore. Right. And so that's where you see this whole renaissance in the artisan cheese industry coming in. Same with microbrewing, you know, yeah. coming back. What do you think about because, it? Do you like it? Yeah, and it's great for, you know, the local economy. It's great for the small farmers. Right. Um, we work with two family farms that we get our milk from. And so it's yeah. great for them. They take pride in knowing their milk goes to a local cheese factory that makes a local product that stays in the area. That's awesome. And so, yeah, as a whole, and I mean, as a whole in the nation, the artisan cheese is growing every year. I know. There's so many makers now. It's insane. I mean, I, I, was, our... I bought from Wisconsin for many, many, many years. I've been with, uh, with Uplands, you know? I mean, since their yep. inception, really. And uh, it's amazing the things that come out now, you know, or that people are willing to sell outside of the borders of their state, you know? I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so a few weekends ago, a few weeks ago, rather, we interviewed Pamela and Terry Holman of the Red Barn Family Farms, um, and I believe you make a couple of cheeses for them as well, correct? Yes, I make 
two cheeses for them. One is a, a raw milk cheddar. Yeah. Based off a New Zealand style cheddar. Ah. Uh-huh. Which Eden, right? New, yes, Eden, and it's New Zealand style cheddars are slightly higher fat level in the milk and a little drier of a cheese. Is that and why you decided? Is that why did you decide to make that cheese? And why from raw milk? Because um, Red Barn really wanted to focus on the quality of milk that they have from their patients. Uh-huh. And we just felt that it was a perfect match, that raw milk cheddar. And as a cheese ages, it really does get great flavors that emphasize the raw milk. You're a raw milk believer? You like it? Yeah. Um, you know, the people that are scared of raw milk, I don't think, you know, the fear is really warranted. There's, they're more scared of the unknown. I agree with that and, 100%. <clears throat> you know, I was in France last May making cheese at a, you know, studying at a class, and they had raw milk. Everything was raw milk, and it was some of the best milk I've ever seen in my life. But, right. you know, they know it's raw milk, so they focus so much more on quality. Right. And, yeah, I mean, if it's I, – I don't see – the problem with raw milk that the regulatory people see with it, if it's done properly. Well, what do you think their issue with it is then? Is it just that they have to do more regulatory work? Or is it just, again, I think it's the unknown, or I feel like it's the unknown. I feel like cheese and milk uh, contain two things that we fight against all the time now, which are time and variables, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. don't have time and they don't like things that they can't figure out for themselves easily, you know. And uh, and uh, and I, as the industry grows, more people are aware of it, you know. So more more questions get asked, you know. It's good to know that cheesemakers like yourself, who have an educated opinion, believe in uh, using unpasteurized milk because that's a big deal for us, you know, as uh, retailers. That's you know, a big selling point, you know. Right, and from a cheesemaker point, you know, like Jasper Hills, for example, they're always promoting their raw milk because they get a unique flavor that I can't make in Wisconsin. Right, because that's the whole I idea. I don't have the same milk. Right, right. so I could follow their recipe exactly the same, and it would be a different flavor because of the milk. Yeah, amazing. And, it's amazing. Um, what's your favorite cheese to make and why? Um, obviously cheddar is one of them because that's what I grew up making. Yeah. That was the first cheese I learned. And the second cheese that I've been getting more into is, um, washed rind cheeses. Yeah. I love washed rind cheeses. Why do you like them? It's just the complexity of the aging of getting the yeast to start to create the environment for the bee linens to grow and just that whole balance act. And then the depth of flavors you can get with that process. I just find it really fascinating. Yeah, do you think, like, I, I always, I love washed rind cheeses. Do you think that that's like a high expression or the highest expression of cheese making? Is it make a washed rind cheese soft ripened? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely because up there because, the like I said, the balance, the curing room is very yeah. complex. We don't have 
know, and you have a short compared. window of time to make that at, to make that like at its peak. You know what I mean? Those cheddars you can age out and even sell them extra aged if you can't move them all. You know, wash those little wash drying guys. You don't get that kind of time. You know, like Tori was right, and that's the challenge of wash drying is you got to make it, and then you got to sell it right away. Yeah, and it gets hard with trying to grow wholesale because all of a sudden. A customer call up and say, "I want twenty pounds of your wash rind." Yeah. In the slow time of year, and we're like, "Oh, sorry, we don't have enough on hand because I don't want it to spoil." Right. And so that's why it's nice to have a variety of products on our winter when it's slow. We make more cheddar for aging. Yeah. Yes, we're not in a rush to sell it. No, it's like a bank account for you. I'm sure it works really well that way. You know, you've got to have that inventory. So a few years ago, we asked we asked a bunch of cheesemakers what they thought the most underrated skills a cheesemaker possessed are. What do you think the most is the most underrated skill you have as a cheesemaker? Oh, jeez, I would. Say, <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't think they put enough emphasis on sanitation. Really? Um, and especially like when we go back to the raw milk. Yeah. You know, some of these factories, a larger factory, when they hire someone in, the first thing they do is they have them clean and sanitize everything. Right. Well, if they're not doing a proper job, that's where your listeria usually comes from, your pathogens, that's where your risk comes from. It's all from the how clean you are, right? Yeah. So you think and the best cheesemakers start at the bottom right there and scrub everything down, huh? Yeah, because they understand, you know, you got to keep them under the vat clean because that's where yeah. bad stuff can grow. That's a great answer. You know, I mean, I would have to say as a retailer, that's probably my most underrated but most valuable skills. I can take people that don't know how to sell cheese at all, but if they know how to be courteous to the product and they know how to clean up after themselves, you know, it just makes things so much easier. You know what I mean? Just so much right. easier. And uh, like I said, especially with uh, with raw milk, you know, and uh, and with uh, with little soft ripened cheeses, they take on flavors and of uh, you know of other of other cheeses or of other things around them of the refrigerator, you know. So keeping clean is a is a really you know is a really it's a really underrated skill. I think that all of us as human beings could probably you know probably use a little bit of a, a bump in education on. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to uh, to thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us a little insight into the Wisconsin Cheese uh, Master Cheesemaker Program and uh, just for talking about your cheese and um, about making cheese in general. I really appreciate it. All right? And uh, all right, I want to thank all you all for listening, and uh, stay tuned next week for another episode of Cutting the Curd. Take care, John. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? 
Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.